discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. It says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything He is. That is why He told Abraham, He said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave Himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God Himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boatin as Christ is magnified in you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I wish I could hear your voice. It's a blessing to be with you once again this evening. Um, it's always a blessing to um, come your way with the word of God yeah. to help you understand and appreciate what um, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. You know, Jesus did so many beautiful things for us on the cross for our lives to um, matter for us to be able to do what God has called us to do. And uh, tonight I have this great singular honor of sharing with you on some of these things. I'm still sharing concerning the reign of grace through righteousness. This is part two of it. I started last uh, Wednesday. I'm going to share some more on it tonight. I want us to start with the word of prayer and then we'll continue. Father, thank you for your blessings. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for the ministry of your word and for the precious ministry of your spirit that is working in our lives and working on this set tonight. Thank you that we have the spirit of understanding working in our lives. The spirit of wisdom is working in our lives. And we have the spirit of revelation working in our lives as well. As your word proceeds forth, we have great revelation into your word, great insight into your word. And your word bears fruit in our lives. These seeds are sown successfully and they produce fruit in our lives. Thank you that our lives are altered completely to suit what you have designed for us. Thank you, Father. We give you glory, we give you praise for grace that is released upon all of us. Amen in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. It's a, it's a wonderful week. We are just coming um, back from our leaders' camp. Yeah. So I know um, most of our leaders are, are excited. We had a very wonderful leaders' camp. Yeah. Um, we, we keep leaving our members out of um, a general um, camp meeting. But next year, we are going to have a very big mega gathering camp meeting. We'll be, we'll be expecting all about 5,000 of us to be in that camp. To be a very, a very, 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 very big camp for all our church members. So next year, there wouldn't be any leaders camp. We are all going to be in one camp, which is uh, the church camp. And it's going to be very, very exciting. Hallelujah. And... If we have if we have enough space uh, to house all about ten thousand people, then even next year we'll do that to the glory of God, so that we can all be at one place and enjoy fellowship, enjoy the presence of God, enjoy the glory of God at once together. The leaders have been cheating their members for a long time. Next year it's not going to be like that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I'm sharing concerning the reign of grace through righteousness. And the last time I started off with Romans chapter five, verse twenty. Romans chapter 5, verse 20. He says, More about the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Look at the next verse 21. Then he says, that as sin, grace abounds so that as sin has reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, so righteousness, grace is reigning now. Wow. If you're a child of God, you are in the reign of grace. You are in the, you are in the dispensation of grace, you know. And I said so many things about um, the reign of grace, what grace does, what grace produces, you know. And um, last week I shared concerning the three levels of, of righteousness. I spoke concerning the gift of righteousness, Christ our righteousness, and the righteousness of God, you know. And uh, I, I've said so many things about it. I want you to watch that video if you, if you couldn't watch it so you can have a better understanding of some of the things I'm going to share with you tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you read on, in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, Paul said something very powerful. You know, um, Jesus' work is great. Just imagine God doing a work. If God does a work, it's, a, it's very powerful. It's very great. You know, and God's work in Christ is very great. It's very, very powerful. It should not be underestimated in any way or in any form. You know, if you read in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, it says that, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. New creature altogether. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Then it says, And all these new things are of God. All these new things that are in this, in this particular new creature are of God. Do you see? God produced it himself. And God, God working is grace. Grace is God at work. Do you see? Grace is God at work. Grace is God at work in man. God's ability at work in man. It produces favor. It produces pleasure. It produces joy. It produces liberality. You know, you, you, it, it, grace is like, uh, it's like the air or like the wind. You, you may not see the wind with your physical eye, yeah. but you can feel the effects of, of the wind or of the air. Do you see? So you may not see grace physically, but there are effects. You see grace, you see the working of grace by virtue of the effects that it has, the things that you see around the person. You see joy, you see goodness, you see great grace in the person's life, you know, manifested. You know, you see favor, that the person is favored both in the sight of God and in the sight of men. The person does not struggle. You notice that grace is at work. God is at work in this person's life. You know, God has blessed this person. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, he says, and all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Then verse 19 says, to wit that God was in Christ. God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. It says God was at work in Christ. God was in Christ. Just as God was in Christ, now Christ is in us. And Christ is in us working out his goodness, working out his righteousness, working out his blessings. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, Paul said something very remarkable. And I want us to look at it. It says, I am crucified of Christ. He was talking about his old nature. I am crucified of Christ. The nature of sin is crucified. It's taken away. 
you know, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless, I live. He says, even though I'm crucified with Christ, now I'm, I'm alive, I'm still alive. But even though I'm alive, it is not me, it is not I who lives, but Christ liveth in me. Christ, Paul was aware of the fact that Christ was alive in him. Christ was living in him. He knew it, that Christ was living in him. Do you see? Do you know that Christ is living in you? Christ is living in you. There's, there, there's no twist about that. Christ is living in you. He's found you good enough to live in you. He's found, in, he's found, you, he's found in you a temple in which he lives. You know, if you read in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, he talks about it. It's so nice. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. He says, be ye, not, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? Can you imagine he calls you righteousness? You are the very embodiment of righteousness. Then he calls the unbelievers unrighteousness. And what communion has light with darkness? He calls you light. He calls them darkness. I am light. I am set for the development, for the blessings, for the change of men's lives. You see. Look at the next verse. Then he says, and what concord has Christ with Belial? He calls you Christ and he calls them Belial. Or what part has he that believeth with an infidel. Look at verse 16. And what agreement has a temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Hallelujah. So God has found in you a temple. He has. He's found in you a temple. You know, he's found in you a temple. You are very special to him. Very, very special to him. You know, and he lives in you. For what purpose? He lives in you to, for the demonstration of himself. You know, Christianity is about demonstrating God. Jesus had, Jesus had a certain kind of faith before he died. You know, it's called the faith of the Son of God. Now, go back to Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, where we're reading. I want to explain this thing to you. He says, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, the life that I'm living, my going forth and coming, you know, my going and coming, my life that I'm living now, okay, first of all, it says Christ who is living in me. Mm-hmm. And it says, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Yeah. What was the faith of the Son of God? What was the faith? The Son of God, Jesus Christ, had a certain faith. He had a, a belief. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Do you see? He had a certain substance of what he, he hoped for, and he had an evidence, you know, of what he could not see. What was that? What was he looking at? I want to show it to you. Show us. Jesus had faith that when he dies, he will live again mm, okay. in and through us, you and I. So he gave his all, that is himself, to obtain us who are the treasure. You see, Jesus wanted to extend his days. If you read in, in Isaiah chapter 53, look at Isaiah 53 from verse 9 to verse 10. There was a prophecy concerning Jesus Christ and his suffering and his death and what to come after. 
Look at Isaiah 53 verse 9. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death because he had done no violence. Neither was any deceit in his mouth. He's talking about Jesus. Next verse. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. Is that what happened to Jesus? He was made sin. Who knew no sin? That we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He says, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When thou shall make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He says that his suffering, okay, he, he allowed himself to go through the things that he went through because he saw his seed. Mm. Who I seed? You and I are his seed. Yeah. You know, we are that great treasure that the Lord found and hence sold everything he had and bought that field that, con- that contained that treasure. That is you and I. Jesus knew that that was his faith. He knew that when he gives his life, he will obtain you and I. And will be able to extend his life through you and I. He will be able to touch the whole world through you and I. If you read in Matthew chapter 13, you know, I was just talking about it. Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. Jesus gave a parable concerning the kingdom of God. He said, again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in a field. The which when a man has found, when a man finds his treasure, he hideth. And for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he has and buyeth the field. So he sold all that he had. He gave his best. He gave his best to buy that field. Not because of that field, but because of what was in that field. You know, the field is the world. And the treasure in the field is you and I. It's people. Do you see? So, men and brethren, brothers and sisters, you are so precious to God. You are, you are, don't see yourself as nothing. You are too important to God. You are too important. We are the treasure. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Chapter 4, rather, verse, 4, verse 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5. He saw us. He saw a treasure. So he gave everything he had in order to purchase and procure that particular treasure. And you and I are that treasure. The field is the world. The whole of the earth. He purchased the whole of the earth. Yes, wow. he purchased all of the earth. Wow. But not because of the trees and stars and lakes and all those things in the earth. But because of the people in the earth. Do you see? And the people in the earth, okay, are that treasure. The Bible says, for God so loved the world. That is why he gave his only begotten son. Did God love the world of trees and stars and lakes? No. He loved the world full of people. So God cares about people. That is why when you become born again, you must care about human beings. You must, you must be interested in people, in the lives, in human lives, because they are treasure to God. Yeah. You know, they are the substance, they are the material with which God creates the new creature wow. in order for his life to be extended on the earth. Mm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Look at the Second Corinthians 4, verse 5. It says, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, but Je- yeah, Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. Verse 6. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light to the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now, this is a very powerful scripture, but I want to show you something else in verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. This vessel, this earthen vessel has a treasure in there. You know, go back. Let me show it to you once again. Probably you didn't catch it. Look at verse 6. It says, For God who commanded the light to shine of darkness has shined in our hearts 
to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, meaning that Jesus Christ is in us. Paul said that Jesus is in me, and hence God shines the face of Jesus, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ in me, out there for people to see. It's like the scripture I quoted for you. I don't know if I quoted for you the, uh, the last time. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, where it says that, But thanks be unto God, who always causes, who always causes us to triumph or to gives us the victory. You know, let's read it. 2 Corinthians 2, 14. It says, Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ, and make it manifest a savor of his knowledge by us in every place. Because it's in us, he makes the, the knowledge, the savor of his knowledge, or the fragrance of his knowledge, known everywhere through you and I. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we are that treasure. There's a treasure. Christ is that treasure that is in us. Yeah. He knew that when he dies, that was his faith. That was the faith of the Son of God. And Paul says, I now live by the faith of the Son of God. Mm. What was the faith of the Son of God? He knew that when he dies, he will get me to express himself. Wow. So now that he has me, then he expresses himself. I live by that particular faith. That my life cannot but go the right way. My life cannot but go in the expressing in the expression of God. That is my life. That's what my life is set for. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It's called the faith of the Son of God. Wow. The faith of the Son of God. He knew. Look at John chapter 12, verse 23. Jesus categorically mentioned this in John chapter 12, verse 23. He says, And Jesus answered them, saying, The eyes come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verse 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Have you seen it? Yeah. You know, if you, if you read the verses prior to this, you see some Grecians, some Greeks coming from Greece to come and see Jesus in Jerusalem. You know, and the Greeks met, uh, they, first of all, they met Philip. And Philip told Andrew, I don't know, let's read it. Let's read it. I think from verse 20. And there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. Verse 21. The same came therefore to Philip. So they came to Philip, which was of Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Say, we would see Jesus. We want to see Jesus. Verse 22. Philip cometh and telleth Andrew. And again, Andrew and Philip tell Jesus together. And Jesus answered them, saying, The eyes come that the Son of Man should be glorified. I mean, how is this an answer? To some people are looking for you. Some people, are, some people from Greece are looking for you. This is not an answer to, to them. But Jesus was giving them an answer by the Spirit. He was giving them an answer that was better than any answer they could ever have. Wow. You know, look at Exodus verse 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Philip and Andrew, and these Grecians that are looking for me, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abided alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Jesus was describing himself as a corn of wheat. That was going to fall into the ground and die. He knew he was going to die. He knew he was going to give his life. But he said that if I give my life, if I put this grain of corn down in the ground, that grain of corn, even though it dies, does not die a death of termination, but it dies a death of germination. So not a death of termination, but a death of germination. So when he died, he germinated. Normally when you put a corn into the ground, you just put one or two or three in one particular, normally we want to have the corn, uh, you know, strong in a certain way, not one standing on his own. So we put our three together. And all the three will shoot up, you know. And when they shoot up, you put just one there, but then when it shoots out, it will bear plenty corn. You can have so much corn from one tree. It's amazing. So Jesus said, I am just one now. I can't be in every place 
at the same time. Jesus was bound by his flesh. He couldn't be everywhere at, at the same time. But then he said, that, listen, I'm going to die. When I die, I'm going to come up again. And when I come up again, I can be in so many people in different places. I can be in Greece. You don't need to travel to Jerusalem to come and look for me. I'll be in Greece. I'll be in you in Greece. Wow. I'll be in you in Ghana. Wow. I'll be in you in America. Hallelujah. I'll be in you. So I'll, I'll be present in these vessels that I'm going to obtain by virtue of my death, burial, and resurrection. So now that you're born again, Paul says, I now live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me. What was his faith? When he dies, he will be in me. Now that he has died, where is he? He's in me now. And because he's in me, he lives his life through me. He lives his life through me. I am crucified. That's one of, my, one of the best scriptures. You know, if you, if, if it's, it's, uh, if you read this book, um, The Final Quest, yeah. is one of the major things that I mentioned in that particular book. You know, it's called the Galatians 2020 level. It's a, it's a level in the spirit that you arrive at. Yeah. You know, and if you arrive there, you, you have it made. If you arrive in that, this particular place where you know that Christ lives in you, and that now that you're living, it's Christ that is living his life in you. And Christ cannot fail. It's not possible. Christ cannot fail. Hallelujah. So Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14. Look at 2 Corinthians 5, 14. Look at 2 Corinthians 5, 14. It's nice. It says, For the love of Christ constrained us, because we thus judge, that if one died for all, then we're all dead. Jesus died for all, therefore all were dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. So now we don't live for ourselves anymore. No. We live for the one who died yeah. and rose again. Who is that? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. And he's living in you and I. So the last time I ended on the fact that the aim of God in all that Christ did, in his work in Christ, was so that you would demonstrate him. Yeah. Was so that he would make you his righteousness. So we have, been, we have become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Inside Christ Jesus, we are declared not guilty, first of all. We are given the gift of righteousness, which is to be declared not guilty. Okay? And actually, that righteousness is the righteousness of Christ. Do you see? But then, just in case you don't, you don't trust that much, God reinforces you know, the, the, your acceptance of righteousness by making Jesus Christ the sinless perfect man, your righteousness. So if you should fail, just in case your righteousness should fail, if God God has declared us righteous or right with him, just in case your rightness should fail because of something you did or did not do, and the devil is accusing you, and you are accusing yourself, remember that your righteousness is a person, and his name is Jesus Christ. And that person never sinned, he never faulted. He never had any challenge. You know, sin came, but he never failed. So you remind the devil that Christ is my righteousness. Jesus Christ is my righteousness. You know, and it is said so nicely in First John chapter two, verse one. He says, "My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. But if any man, and if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father." Jesus Christ, the righteous. We have the word advocate is a lawyer or a helper or an intercessor. We have an advocate with the Father. So Jesus Christ is always with the Father, standing on your behalf wow. as, the, as your righteousness. Wow. So when the devil is accusing you, Jesus stands up and says, My brother, my friend. That is why when you read in Romans chapter 8, verse, verse 32, look at Romans 8 33, rather. Look at Romans 8 33. It's so nice. 
He says, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies or God that makes right. Makes righteous. Next verse. Who is he that condemneth? Then he says, it is Christ that died. Did Satan die for you? No. It was Jesus who died. Then he says, yea, rather, that is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God? Who also maketh intercession for us? Have you seen it? He's there making intercession for us. Wow. Talking on our behalf. So when you realize that you've done something wrong and you are so accused, so much going on, you don't know. Man, will I ever, will God ever forgive me? What's going to happen to me? Remember that Jesus is your righteousness. Always remember that. You know, this, this sin has caused a lot of Christians to be ejected out of the church. And those, the self-righteous Christians in the church have aided and helped ejecting those people out of the church. A lot of people don't go to church any longer because of something they did or something they did not do. All because they don't understand what I'm telling you now. Don't let sin become a problem because sin is not a problem anymore. Yeah. I'm going to share some things with you tonight. Yeah, and then next week, don't miss any of these, these series. And be, let it be a reference for yeah. many because many will hear and, and understand and, and be blessed true. and helped. You know, because if, if you're going to um, live that kind of life, you, you reject yourself out. Don't let sin become a problem for you. Sin is a choice as far as the New Testament is concerned. Sin is a choice. We just read it in First John chapter 2, verse 1. He says, and if any man should sin. He didn't say when everyone sins. No. He says, and if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Do you see? He writes to the little children. I'm going to explain that to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Christ is my righteousness. Christ is my righteousness. You see, and he makes you righteous. He declares you not guilty and makes Jesus your righteousness for the purpose of you demonstrating him. That is the third part of the, the, the third level of, the, of righteousness, which is the righteousness of God. Making us a righteousness of God. To live out the righteousness of God. To live out, the, live out the kindness of God. If someone wants to know the kindness of God, he has to contact you and I. If someone wants to know the goodness of God, he has to contact you and I. If someone wants to know the love of God, he must, he must contact you and I. We bring in the, the, the mind of God in every single situation. The Bible says that do not be overcome with evil, but rather overcome evil with good. Why? Because you are a bundle of good moving around in the earth. That is, that is your life. This is what Christianity is. Christianity is not trying to obey God. No. Christianity is living out God. That's what Christianity is. That is what real Christianity is. Christianity is a demonstration of the character, deeds, virtues, perfections, excellencies of Christ, of God in the earth. That is Christianity. That is real Christianity. That is real Christianity. That is what we are set for. We are set to demonstrate God. And amazingly, God does everything. It's just like, uh, you know, if you read in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, the Bible says that, for we are his workmanship. We are God's workmanship. We are his best product. For we are his workmanship. The word workmanship is poema. It means his best poem. His best, uh, um, like an architect who has a lot of structures, but then has one structure that he's known by. That's his best. You know, Da Vinci is... Is known by Mona, the Mona Lisa, yeah. you know, Mona, the Mona Lisa drawing. You know, he has other things. Da Vinci did a lot of other things, but he's known mainly by Mona Lisa. True. So God is also main, known, ma- uh, known mainly, okay, his best product is a new creature, is you and I. 
the born again child of God. We are his best. We are God's best in the earth. Yeah. The best of God is not the heavens. The heavens are beautiful. If you look into the heavens and look at the stars and all of that, it's beautiful. But that is not God's best. If you look at the earth, you'll be amazed. You see the mountains. We climbed a certain mountain not long ago. And when you look, it's so beautiful. But that is not God's best. God says that the new creation is his best. You and I are his best. That's what he's saying. He says, for we are God's masterpiece. His best. This is NLT. We are his masterpiece. Then he says, he has created us anew, or given birth to us anew, born again in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Have you seen it? He, he brought us, he, he got us born again for the purpose of doing the good things he planned for us long ago. Planned long ago for us. The good things. Living the good life. The Amplified talks about the good life. He's talking about expressing God. And because you are his best, it's just like uh, um, Samsung sending out some phones. Or uh, uh, the, app, the Apple company send, sending out some phones. They will make sure every single one of them is top-notch. There's no problem. If they say it's water resistant and you put it in water, it will not, it will not get destroyed. It will come out of the water neat and clean. Still functioning. Hallelujah. So what they do is that they, they test it. They make sure they test it and make sure everything that can destroy that phone is checked. Do you see? Of course, they, they, they have their own issues as well. But if, if we believe in Apple, the Apple company, to the extent that when it releases a new phone, people queue to buy because we know it's better than the, the past, the, the past one. How much more God's product? So God did all the tests you're supposed to do. And I'm showing you some. He did all the things you're supposed to do to make sure his product does not fail. To make sure you do not fail in the assignment that he has given, which is to demonstrate him. So he knew that sin was going to be a problem, so he dealt with sin by declaring not guilty. Then just in case you do something wrong, whilst you are in, in your attempt to demonstrate him, or whilst you are demonstrating you do anything wrong, he says, remember, Jesus Christ is your righteousness. Also that you can demonstrate him. Now, apart from all of that, there's something that Jesus also did, or God did in Christ for us. It's called the circumcision, okay, of the heart. The circumcision of Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All these things are the acts of grace, the work of God, in making sure that we demonstrate him and do what he has called us to do, which is to show him all around the world. How will people know that Jesus is alive? They are going to know that Jesus is alive through you in that area by displaying God. If you don't do it, nobody else is going to do it. God is in you shouting to come out. Let him show forth. Decide to be kind. Decide to be full of love. You know, decide to, to be the best of you. Yeah, decide to be patient with people. Decide to let people smile all the time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus made the masses smile. He fed them. He made them happy. He made sure they were fine. God loves people. And he wants to love people through you and I. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, so <laughs> he doesn't want you to fail. You are his best. He's programmed you for success. That is what your life is for. You see, and I'm showing, I'm just showing you some of the things that he's done, some of the things that grace has produced in order for us to be able to 
live out his righteousness. You know, we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Grace reigns through righteousness unto life eternal. Grace reigns. God reigns. God's work, grace reigns through something called righteousness unto life eternal. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I want to show you about the circumcision of Christ. Show us. If you're reading, um, which one do you want us to read? <laughs> there are so many things to read out here. It's so beautiful. Let me show you. Go to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10. Ephesians 3, 10. We just read Ephesians 2, 10. Now let's read Ephesians 3, 10. Oh. It says, to the intent. Let's read from verse 9. I think it would be nicer from verse 9. And to make all men see, Paul was talking about what God has sent him to do. He says, I've been sent to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, okay, which from the beginning of the world has been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. What is that hidden mystery? The hidden mystery is Christ in you. He says, God sent me to make all men see what is the fellowship, what is the partnership of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world has been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. Verse 10. Then he says, the intent of God was that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places, the intent of God making, putting Christ in us was for this purpose, that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church, that is, all Christians, okay, the manifold wisdom of God. I don't know if you're catching it. He says he wants the principalities and powers. Let's read, let's read the Amplified. I'm sure it will help us. Verse 10. The purpose is that through the church, the complicated, many-sided wisdom of God in all its infinite variety and innumerable aspects might now be made known to the angelic rulers and authorities, principalities, and powers in the heavenly places, in the heavenly sphere. So meaning that God wants to so live in us and so live through us that through us, his many-sided wisdom will be known by us. To the angelic principalities and powers, both angelic and demonic and whatever, they will know that God, they will know God by looking at us. Wow. Can you imagine? That if they want to know God and understand God, they have to look at us. That's God's intent. It's God's intent. Look at the next verse, verse 11. This is in accordance with the terms of the eternal and timeless purpose which he has realized and carried into effect in the person of Christ Jesus our Lord. This is God's eternal, his, his, his eternal intent. And he has carried it out in Christ. What a, what a blessing. So I am set for the demonstration of God. That is why in First Peter chapter 2 verse 9, it says that you are a royal priesthood. And a holy nation. A peculiar nation. A peculiar people. Look at the Amplified. It's nice. But you are a chosen race. A royal priesthood. A dedicated nation. God's own purchase. Special people. For what purpose? So that you may set for the wonderful deeds. This is Christianity, brother. So that you may set for the wonderful deeds and display the virtues and perfections of God who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So if someone wants to know the deeds, the deeds of God, the doings of God, he must look out for you and I. If he wants to know the virtues, the moral excellence of God, he must look out for you and I. If he wants to know his perfections, can you imagine that you are set for the perfections of Christ, the perfections of God? That is your life. That is my life. That is my life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Like I said, in order for this to happen, he does all the things he does. You know, and all the things he does, after not declaring not guilty, making Christ your, your righteousness for the purpose of declaring him and making him known, you know, 
he goes an extra mile by doing something to this flesh of ours because he knew that our flesh could become a problem in preventing us from declaring God or for God's, the righteousness of God showing forth in us. So he does something to this flesh. You see, you know, prior to what I'm coming to tell you, you've heard mostly that, oh, as for the flesh, our flesh, in me, in my flesh dwells no good. It's true. It's true, but it's not true in Christ. In Christ, something else happens to you. Paul was describing how he was before he got born again. You see, but when you become born again, something happens. It's called the circumcision of Christ. And I want to share a little bit about it with you too, tonight. I don't know if I have much time. Yes, I think I have some time. Let me share with you. You know, so we are circumcised with, with the circumcision of Christ to enable us to express God without any inhibitions. Look at Romans chapter 2, verse 28. Romans 2, 28. If, if you've read your Bible, you'll see circumcision a lot in the scriptures. You know, circumcision is the cutting away of extra flesh, of useless flesh, flesh that is not good, do you see? And uh, it, was, it was a sign of the covenant that God was in with Abraham. So all of Israel was circumcised. If you wanted to join the nation of Israel, you needed to be circumcised as a man, not female. Female circumcision was not practiced in the Old Testament. That is wickedness. You don't do that. Okay, you don't do that. It's so wrong. All the cultures that are into that are terrible. Those are demons at work to destroy people's lives. You know, so in, in Romans chapter 2, verse 28, Paul was expressing and letting them know about the circumcision which is in Christ. And I want to show it to you. He says, For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly. Then he says, Neither is, is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. Remember, they, were, they would cut the foreskin and throw it away. And that was a sign of the covenant. So if you are circumcised, you are Jew. Now Paul is saying that circumcision is not that which is done outwardly. Then he says, He's not a Jew which is one outwardly. Look at verse 29. But he's a Jew which is one inwardly. Then he says, And circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's a Jew which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart. Meaning that there's something called the circum apart from the circumcision of the flesh, there's something higher, which is the circumcision of the heart. Now, who does the circumcision of the heart for us? Look at Philippians chapter 3, verse 3. Philippians 3, 3. For we are the circumcision. So Paul is talking to Christians and he says that we are the circumcision, which worship God in the, in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Meaning that when you are circumcised in the spirit or you have the circumcision of Christ, you don't trust, you don't have any confidence in the flesh. Can you imagine? So it has something to do with the flesh. Remember, it's a cutting away of the flesh. Isn't it? Yes, sir. Okay. Now, how did this happen? How did this happen? What, when did Christ do this? What has happened to this flesh of ours? Remember, he does the circumcision of, the, of, 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 the circumcision of Christ in order, or which is the circumcision of our heart, in order for our flesh to be, to be taken care of, to be take out, taken away. The flesh that will cause you to sin is taken away in the circumcision of Christ. Okay. <laughs> okay so let's look at it. Romans chapter 6, verse 6. Romans 6, 6. You'll be surprised. Mm -hmm. It says, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. We know this first part. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. You know that the old, your old man is crucified with him. Yes, that is the old nature. The old nature is crucified with Christ. Okay? The old nature is crucified with Christ. Um, and the old nature we've described as a tree of sin or the seed of sin. Now, what use is there if you deal with the seed and you don't deal with the fruit? Do you see? When you deal with the, with the tree or the seed, you have actually dealt with the fruit. But most Christians feel that the tree has been dealt with. As for the fruit, dear, it is still there. In this flesh, toilet, no good. No matter what I do, my flesh is going to lead me astray. That is why a lot of Christians have had issues with their flesh over the years. There are things that Paul wrote, but wrote to babes in Christ. He did not write those things to, to older people in Christ. As you go in Christ, you need to learn some of these things. That's why I'm sharing them with you. On, on class one, on the class one level, you may be thought that your, you, need to be, you need to watch your flesh and all of those things because your flesh has all kinds of things in it. But as you go, you realize that your flesh has actually been dealt with. The flesh of sin, the flesh that will cause you to do wrong, Okay, has been dealt with. Now your flesh has been circumcised mm. for Christ to be able to express himself through. Wow. And for the righteousness of God to be able to show up. Let me show it to you. Now this, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him so that the body of sin might be destroyed that henceforth we should not serve sin. What is the body of, of sin? The body of sin is the flesh of sin. Let's, let's go back. Let's read it in the Amplified. Do you like my message? We love it. We know that our old unrenewed self was nailed to the cross with him. You see? We know that our old unrenewed self was nailed to the cross with him. But for what purpose? In order. He did that in order that our body, which is the instrument of sin, might be made ineffective and inactive for evil so that we might no longer be the slaves of sin. This is a soul right now because of of Christ's death on the cross. Your flesh, he did that so that this flesh might become ineffective and inactive for evil so that we might no longer be the slaves of sin. So there's nothing like, in the new creation, there's nothing like, I can't help myself. My flesh is, my flesh is leading me. No, there's, there's nothing like that. There's nothing like that. Christ has taken care of it. He has destroyed it. If you read, the King James says that, so that he might destroy. Let's look, look at the King James. It's nice. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, so that the body of sin might be destroyed. The word destroyed means to unemploy. To make inactive. That's what the amplifier was telling us. So that the, the flesh will be, will be made inactive towards sin. Amazingly. Wow. So stop saying that, oh, my, ask my flesh there. We, we are born again, but ask for the flesh. <laughs> we know. Yeah. The, way, the words of the flesh are this. Yeah. Then you start mentioning. No. He says he, had ma- he has made the flesh unemployed. It can't work towards certain things. In Christ, there's nothing like that. Wow. I'll show you why Paul wrote those things. I'll show it to you why he wrote those things in Galatians chapter 5. And you'll be amazed at what, how Paul concluded in Galatians chapter 5. You'll be shocked that, why did he say this and say this? You realize, you realize he was addressing two groups of people. Now, go to um, Colossians chapter, chapter 2. Let's read from verse 10 into verse 11. Colossians chapter 2 from verse 10 into verse 11. Isn't that amazing? It says, and you are complete in him. You are complete in Christ which is the head of all principality and power. Verse 11. Then it says, In Christ also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands 
in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Have you seen it? I don't know if you're catching it. He says, in Christ, ye are also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. This circumcision is made without hands. Then he says, it is in putting off the body of the, f- of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So the circumcision of Christ cuts out that part of your flesh cut out that part of your body that was activated towards sin and throws it away. I don't know which guy can find the foreskin that was cut when he was a baby. I don't know where you can find it from. You don't know where it is. It is. But a lot of Christians are holding the foreskin of the flesh and moving around with it. Oh, my flesh. My flesh is worrying me. Meanwhile, it was dealt with in Christ. It was dealt with in Christ. Why did Jesus do it? So that there wouldn't be anything inhibiting you from displaying God's righteousness. Grace is not reigning through righteousness unto life eternal. Grace is reigning through righteousness. Through you living God out for life, for his life to be shown throughout the world. And he's dealt with everything that could inhibit you. Everything. Including your flesh. Can you, mean, can you imagine that the, the circumcision of Christ has happened? Wow. In Christ Jesus. In taking off the body of the sins. of the, let, Let's really amplify this nice. It says, in him also, in Christ also, you were circumcised with a circumcision not made with hands. But in a spiritual circumcision performed by Christ by stripping off the body of the flesh. That whole corrupt, the whole corrupt carnal nature with this passions and lusts. Have you seen it? With this passions and lusts. Everything. With this passions and lusts. It's all been taken away. That is why sin is not a choice. It's a decision you make. It's not, we are not slaves to sin. He did that so that we will not be slaves anymore to sin. That when sin says, we are doing this, then you follow. No. Because sin shall not have dominion over you. Why? Because you are not under the law, but you are under grace. Grace is now what is controlling you. Now you have a body that responds to grace, that responds to God. That is why if you read in Romans chapter 6, verse 6, Paul says that, no, he says, um, let's read it, it's nice. Romans 6 is in the King James. Knowing this, that, no, no, verse 11, rather. Romans 6, 11, not 6, 6, 11. It says, likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Do you see? He says, reckon, put it to your account. The word reckon is Lord Jesus my. It means to put to your account. Credit to your account of the fact that you are dead to sin. All the things that could make you alive to God, to, to sin, has been taken away. It's dead. The old nature has been taken care of. Apart from the old nature being taken care of, the nature, the, the, the flesh of sin, the body of the sins of the flesh, what would have caused you in your flesh to do wrong has been taken away. So what is your problem now? Now, now God can live through you without any... So you don't respond. Say, I don't respond to sin. I don't respond to sin. Say it again. I don't respond, I don't respond to sin. I don't respond to sin. Why? Because what was in me, in my flesh, not in your spirit, but what was in your flesh, that would have prevented you from responding to God, but rather responding to sin, has been cut off. It's circumcision, no? It's circumcision. He cast it off. 
and throws it away. No young man can find his circumcised circum- circum- foreskin. You can't find it anywhere. You can't find it anywhere. Do you see? So account that to yourself. This is my new nature. This is how I am now. When you see, when you see them doing something wrong, and they're inviting you, there was this preacher who was in a train, and they were, they were gambling, and they were inviting him to come and gamble. And he said, I don't have, my, my, my hands are not, are not here. I didn't bring my hands. I didn't bring my hands. These hands are the hands of Christ. He only does what Christ wants. These legs are Christ. He only does what Christ wants. That is how you are. That is our life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We are no longer slaves to sin. So you ask, you ask, okay, so how come I feel these things in my flesh? How come this is happening? Because you're a babe. You are still growing. You're a babe in Christ. And because you've not known what I'm telling you now, you've known the other one. So let's look at it. Galatians chapter 5. Let's read from verse 16. Okay, you just, let's just jump to verse 19 so that we don't read too much. Our time is up now. Look at this. He says, now the works of the flesh are manifest. Which are these? So he shows you the works. Remember, your flesh is not active anymore. It's not yeah. working anymore. He says he died knowing this, that our old man was crucified in, with Christ. So that the body of sins might be destroyed. That we should not, we should henceforth not serve sin. Romans 6, 6. Do you see? Knowing that our old man is crucified with him, that the body, so that the body of sin might be destroyed. That henceforth we should not serve sin. So now we don't serve sin. He says that the, the body of sin is destroyed. It's taken care of. So how come Paul is writing to these people and he's telling them that now the works of the flesh are these? Then he starts mentioning them. Go back to that place. Galatians 5.19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in the, in the, in the in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. Have you seen it? Mm-hmm. So how come Paul is talking to people like this? Wow. You see, because the Galatian church, remember that the Galatian church had gone off the lining on which they were put, they were placed when they got born again. Wow. So Paul is writing to children. So if you read in Galatians chapter 3 verse 1, he says, oh foolish, he calls them foolish Galatians. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? You know, if you are a child of God and you are flowing the way you are supposed to, this is not supposed. This is not written to you. I don't know if you get it. Yes, sir. Yeah, he's writing to his children, and he 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 starts blasting them. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? So they weren't obedient to the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth, crucified among you. Verse two. This only will I, will I learn of you. Received ye the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of, the, of, of faith. They were now living after the law. Mm. Are you so foolish having begun in the spirit? Are you now made perfect in the, in the flesh? He was not happy with them at all. Have you suffered so many things in vain? If it be in vain. So these guys were living in the flesh. Wow. Instead of living in the spirit. Mm. I don't know if you get it. Yeah. When you become born again, you are giving a responsibility. It is your responsibility of living in the, in the spirit. So he tells them in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. He said, go to Galatians 5, 16. 
This then I, this I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. How come these guys don't have the lust of the flesh in there? They are not supposed to have the lust of the flesh in there. This I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Why is he talking to them about the lust of the flesh? Why? When we are circumcised with the circumcision, which is of Christ. Why? Because we're babes. They were babes. So in Galatians 4, verse 19, look at Galatians 4, 19. My little children, of whom I travel in Beth again unto Christ be formed in you. My little, he called the whole church, my little children, of whom I travel in Beth again unto Christ be formed in you. The whole church, the whole church. Because he had missed it. Instead of walking in the spirit, they were walking in the flesh. So he wanted them to know, listen, the flesh has nothing in it. All. If, if you focus on the flesh, then you will resurrect things you're not supposed to resurrect. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You resurrect things that you're not supposed to resurrect. There are things in there that are dead. Don't bring them back. So go back to chapter 5. You'll be amazed. Let me read from, we just read verse 19 yeah. and 20 and 21. Now, let's read verse 22. Then it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. This is all God, right? Yeah. Meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Verse 24. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with their affections and lusts. I don't know if you're catching it. Yeah. Ah, so are they not Christ? Yeah. Are there people in there not Christ? Yeah. Look, it says, and they that are Christ, they that are for Christ, mm. every child of God belongs to Christ. Yeah. Isn't it true? Yeah. Every child of God, born of God, is of, is of Christ. Yeah. Amplified. And those who belong to Christ, didn't the Galatian church belong to Christ? They belong, they belong to Christ. So how come? It says, and those, that are, those who belong to Christ, Jesus, the Messiah, have crucified the flesh, their godless human nature, with its passions and appetites and desires. So if you are born again, all the things that he mentioned, the works of the flesh are these, uh, adultery, whatever, whatever. He says, all those who belong to Christ crucified those things. They crucified those things with Christ, with its passions. And last, they were circumcised of all of those things. So he brought, this is what is written in Romans chapter 6, verse 6. It's the same thing. Galatians 5.24 is the same as Romans chapter 6, verse 6. We know that our old unrenewed self, this is amplified, was nailed to the cross with him in order that our body, which is the instrument of sin, might be made ineffective and inactive for evil, that we might no longer be the slaves of sin. Have you seen it? Those who belong to Christ have crucified are you Christ? Do you belong to Christ? Are you a child of God? If yeah. you're a child of God, the truth is that the affections and passions and lusts of the flesh was crucified to Christ. Wow. Your flesh now, your body now is inactive to sin. That is why Christ, you know, Christ dwells in our spirits. Okay? The Holy Spirit dwells in our spirits, but he dwells in our bodies as well. Okay. This body is holy enough for the Holy Spirit to dwell in it. If it was not holy, if it was given over to sin, and you can't help yourself, the Holy Spirit will not live in it. It's, it's written all over in the, in the scriptures. You'll be surprised. It's amazing. Let me, let me show you from the scriptures. You know, if you read in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, the Bible says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you, 
No, this is in reference to our spirits. Just don't you know that you are the temple of God? Your spirit man is the temple of God. And the spirit of God dwelleth in you. Wow. Says, don't you know? You must know. He's there. He's in there. You know, the apostles always spoke without any sense of doubt or ambiguity of the presence of God in us. Wow. They knew that God was in them. Wow. And that God was in every single child of God. Wow. You know? Now, this is your spirit. But then if you go to 2 Corinthians chapter, chapter 6, verse 19... So, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, not 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. He says, what? Know you not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and ye are not your own? Next verse, verse 20. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God. So, two places, body and spirit. Your body is now holy to God. Your body is now sanctified for God to live in. Go up, you'll be surprised. Wow. Wow. We are in 1 Corinthians 6 now, right? Now go up to. um, It's so nice. You can read the whole of 1 Corinthians 6, you'll be surprised. Look at verse 13. It says, Meats for the belly and the belly for meats, but God shall destroy both it and them. Then it says, Now the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord. And the Lord for the body. This body is for the Lord. And the Lord is for the body. Not your spirit. Your body. It says, don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? In both cases, it says, don't you know? Don't you know he's in your spirit? And he's in your body. Why is he in your body? Because your body, the flesh, the body of the flesh of sins was crucified with Christ. So just as your spirit is a holy shrine for God to live in, your body is also a holy shrine wow. that God lives Hallelujah. in. So I'm set for the demonstration of Jesus Christ. I'm set for the demonstration of God's character, for God's virtues, for God's perfections, for, for God's glory. That is my life. He says your, your body and your spirit are God's. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are for God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, so always remember, Paul's writing to children. That was what, and John also does a, does a similar thing. Wow. He does a, next, next uh, Wednesday, I'm going to talk to you about John and the little children. Wow. Yeah, this is, this is Paul and the little children. Wow. You know, Paul, Paul writing to the Corinthian church said to them, and I, brethren, could not speak unto you as, as unto spiritual. You know, it's all a matter of growth. If you, if you grow in the Lord, you'll be surprised. Sin is a choice. Wow. Sin is a choice. And amazingly, even the definition of sin is different in the New Testament. Mm. What constitutes sin is different in the New Testament. Next week, I'm going to share with you. Wow. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But I don't know if you have learned anything today. So much that- Let's read Colossians chapter 2, verse 11, and then I'll stop. Colossians 2, 11. It's a beautiful scripture. I've read it to you already, but I want to read it to you one last time. It says, In whom, in Christ also, ye are circumcised with a circumcision made with our hands in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We've been circumcised with a circumcision which is of Christ. So now we can live for the Lord. Now God can be demonstrated in us because there's no limitation. God is perfect. God is, God is wise in his actions, in what he does. He knew that our flesh will be a problem. So he cuts it off. He throws it away. The foreskin cannot be found. So is your flesh with the passions and the last thereof. They that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with his passions and last thereof. 
now you are free from sin. You are free from being a slave of sin. You are now a slave of the Lord. You are now active to God. You are now active to produce God. You see, the flesh of, the, of old produced sin. It produced sin. So go back to Romans, Romans chapter 5. I said my last scripture, but let me just read this. Romans chapter 5, verse, verse 19 once again. He says, okay, this is... Uh, this is... Um, uh, go to 20, rather. Verse 20. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Then it says that as sin has reigned unto death. Sin reigned. Sin ruled. How? Through the law. The Bible says the strength of sin is the law. Do you see? The strength of sin is the law. Just as sin ruled, nobody could help themselves. But now grace is ruling. Now you cannot help yourself but live for God. Yeah. That is what he's trying to do. He's trying to tell you. Now you cannot live but live. You cannot help but live for God. Just as sin was controlling those who got those in the world, or is controlling those in the world, now God is also controlling those who are born again. You cannot but live for the Lord. That is your life. Grace is reigning through righteousness unto life eternal. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lift up your hands wherever you are and thank God for this opportunity to hear his word. Father, we are grateful. In the next two minutes, just thank him for all that he has done in Christ for you. The Lord has gone to great lengths in bringing you close, in making you his righteousness for you to live him out wherever you find yourself. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Overcome evil with good. Wherever you go, the goodness of God will flow through you. The knowledge of Christ is spread through you. It's known through you in every place. In every place. In every place. Give him glory. Give him praise. Father, we give you glory. Thank you for your precious Holy Spirit. And thank you for this beautiful word. Thank you that these words are working in us. Thank you for grace that is ruling in our lives. You are ruling in our lives. And we cannot but demonstrate you wherever we find ourselves. Living that Christian life. That glorious life that you have given to us to live. Thank you. That grace is reigning in our lives. Through righteousness unto life eternal. Eternal life is demonstrated everywhere we go. Because it's working, it's working in us to your glory. Even in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a shout wherever you are. Hallelujah. God bless you for listening. We pray that the word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word. Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's word. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastor T podcast. Simply search for Pastor T on any podcast app. Plug in and enjoy God's word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless.